I think sometimes people get, you know, too sort of hung up in trying to be something they're not. And I think we'd all agree that the best speakers that we've ever seen are, you know, sure, they're well rehearsed, they're well prepared, but the crowd can smell if somebody isn't being authentic. Hey there, thanks for tuning in. I'm Jeremy Dobrish, and this is The Procast, brought to you by Proscenium Live Events in New York City. It's a podcast about live events. Now, each month we take a bite-sized look at how to make corporate conferences, events, programs, shows even more effective and impactful. Today, we're talking with Mark Sheeran, the managing partner at Proscenium. Mark is that rare combination of someone who is incredibly detail-oriented and also a big thinker. He's like one of those chess dudes who's always thinking three steps ahead of you on the chessboard. Now, in 2016, Mark wrote an article about what live events would look like in five years, which is, well, this year. So I was pretty psyched to talk to him about how he did on his predictions and what he predicts for five years from now. And we'll link to that article in the show notes, and you should definitely give it a read. But for now, Let's stand by for Q1 of the Procast. And Q1, let's go. All right. So I'm here with Mark Sheeran. This is a real treat for me, Mark. I remember very well uh, you wrote this article looking five years into the future to say, okay, it's 2016 now. What are live events going to be like in five years? And how is technology going to change this industry. And I'm no math major, but 2016 plus five years, that puts us right about now. Yeah, I think what I talked about in, in 2016 is that convenience, customization, and, and curation of experiences would be what we're really looking for. And I think that's still true. The device that we all carry around we're becoming you know more a part of our lives every every day and i think what's interesting is that the pandemic is has in some ways accelerated that i mean in terms of details of things that i sort of we, we sort of talked about back then and you know i predicted if you remember as i sort of laid out a day or two in the life of an attendee going to a large conference and having check in at a hotel completely on your device. So you didn't need to go to the desk. You just, as you approach the hotel, it would recognize you were there. You would check in, you'd be told your room, and then even, you know, use the phone to unlock your room and, and get into the room. And back in 2016, that wasn't a thing. You couldn't do that. But now it is. So that's definitely come true. I think location-based services and NFC-enabled stuff that I was talking about, like beacons and about phones knowing where you are in proximity to exhibits or to tracks that you checked into earlier in the day and were saying, hey, the track is just down the corridor and you can go into that. That is all going to come to fruition as we get back to the live events and the event apps are going to be enabled with all of that location-based services and NFC stuff. Well, what I love about your thinking on that is I feel like when phones first became, you know, so ubiquitous, people were afraid of them. I don't want people looking at their phones. I want people looking at the stage. So particularly now for, you know, within a general session room, where do you want the attendees to have their phones? Where do you want their attention? Yeah, look, I think we all remember the times when, you know, the voice of God would have an announcement saying, okay, it's now time to turn off your devices and uh, concentrate on the speakers. I think that's gone. That's way gone. And frankly, I embrace that. You know, I think 
you can actually make the live experience better by the use of that what sometimes is known as the third or fourth screen you know and actually use it as a prompt use it as a Q&A, use it as a device to show a particular detailed piece of video that maybe you can't see on a large screen because people are not going to turn their phones off. People are not going to put them away. So why not embrace them and make them a part of the messaging strategy? Yeah, I think that's really smart. So when you were talking about the predictions you had originally made, you used these three words that I, I want to come back to, curation, customization, and convenience. So can you just take me through that a little bit? Yeah, so I think convenience is is just that, right? So it's having all of the information for the particular live event that you're at in your device and served up to you at the time. So I think this sort of uh, seamless and convenience of everything being in one place is really what uh, I'm talking about. And then the curation piece is that the organizers of the event can actually drive content to your phone and therefore to you that they know you're interested in. I think the customization piece is then being able to take all of that and me customizing that for me. Because I think there is a difference between perhaps what the organizers want you to go to and what they're trying to drive you to, but what you as an individual are interested in and want to spend your time with. And I think that's why I love the whole idea of this third screen and, and, and really embracing that because it's, a, it's an, a massive, gorgeous computer right there in your pocket that can just make things better. What I think is so great about that is what it adds up to is a level of personalization for the attendee so that, you know, maybe there's 3,000 people there, but you feel like you're getting an experience that is built, whether it was designed by them or, you know, or in part by you, but it's specific to you. And so another thing you had talked about in that article that I thought was really interesting was the idea of feeling like you're at home more and more even when you're on the road. The hotel room really just you know, knows your preferences and is ready for you. I think that's such an important thing to keep in mind in terms of the experience we're trying to create for our guests. Yeah, no, I think that's super, super important, right? And I think that really was a big point of, of the article that what we're experiencing in our daily lives, we should be delivering as event creators, we should be delivering that same level of convenience and customization in our live events because we just get used to it. We just, that's our normal. So why would we be any different when we're away at a conference? And so that leads to the million dollar question. Now it's 2021. As you look ahead to 2026, what is going to be happening in our daily lives and how do we use technology to replicate that in the live space? I think that whole idea that we were just talking about is going to become more prevalent. In some ways, Technology is is forged ahead, particularly the online and the digital piece. But I think some of the other technologies have fallen behind because a lot of our ideas for, say, staging and and, and screens and automation stuff come from the concert industry. And of course, you know, we haven't had any of that for over 14 months or something. So we haven't had the latest U2 tour or the latest Lady Gaga or whatever it is where in three or four years when they're already doing something else, that technology used to trickle down to us. So it's going to be so interesting to see what the big entertainment houses and the big entertainment providers have come up with in, in 
this time. So when the big concerts come back, who knows what they'll be doing that we can then a year or two later, when that technology has been paid for because of that Taylor Swift tour, we can then take account of and, and use for our events. So yeah, I think the sort of, if you like, pause in live events and a complete switch to virtual has been interesting. And I believe that we'll see some real benefits from that ability. Because when in life have you ever been able to go, you know what, we used to do Dreamforce or the super large Oracle event or Microsoft event or whatever. We used to do it like this in this city with 125,000 people. And we'd love to change everything, but we're already planning the next one. And there's no way to really change things because it's just this monster that's just keeping going. Well, that obviously is has stopped to some degree. So I think we'll see that they've used this last year to reinvent those events. So maybe they are, instead of 125,000 people going to the actual event, which is really difficult to make it feel personal, maybe only 25,000 people go, but then 250,000 people actually have this really you know, amazing experience digitally and online. I think 4K is going to become much more prevalent. 8K, you know, I talked in the article about LED screens. There's no projection anymore, right? Unless it's for some sort of creative reason. All of the screens that we really use now pretty much are LED. That's come true. And I think mixed reality or extended reality, the mixture of those technologies, again, probably to some degree using the third screen, your device or devices. I think holograms, I, I genuinely think that within a few years, when somebody's on stage and they say, let me introduce this big name that they'll just gesture to the left and that person will appear as a hologram right next to them as opposed to flying them in, which will be the holdover of all the virtual stuff that you know we've been doing in the last year. So what are the stakes here? If I'm an event planner and I feel like, hey, you know, technology is not really my thing. I, I just want to put my speakers on stage and, and not worry about all this. Is that okay? Or am I doing that at my peril? Look, I, th I don't think everybody's going to be able to use all of these technologies that we're talking about here. But I do think over time that, yeah, you will be left behind. I think your audience just will demand it. You know, it will be part of their lives and they'll just expect it. You will ultimately be left behind if you're not thinking of incorporating what you can afford into your live events. And to your point from before, I think it's even beyond the physical technology, it is sort of a mindset. You become accustomed to your technology knowing you and being able to predict what you're going to want. When technology then doesn't do that in a certain sphere of your life, it's very frustrating and very disappointing. And obviously that's not the experience we want to be giving folks. All right, this is great. So I'd love to move on to the lightning round. Are you up for that? Three questions I can kind of throw sure. at you? Okay, great. The first question we ask is, who's your biggest get? Like this could be a guest speaker, an entertainer, a subject matter expert, anyone who you would just absolutely love to see at one of your live events. I think David Bowie, he never would have done it. I don't believe he ever did really do anything like that. But I think David Bowie would have been an incredible guest just because he invented things and then reinvented himself numerous times. What about a hologram performance from David <laughs> Bowie? How would you feel about that? Oh, yeah. I think that's, I think you just, you've got to be careful that it isn't done in a creepy way. But 
but you know, but they've done def- it, right? Tupac did it, yeah. and I think there were a couple others who have done it. I want to say Snoop Dogg, but I'm not sure if that's right. <laughs> this is behind the scenes Bethany breaking in with a fact check. Snoop Dogg performed live with Tupac's hologram at Coachella. Other singers who have performed as holograms include Whitney Houston, Amy Winehouse, and even Buddy Holly. It'd be pretty amazing if you could see him over time. Yeah. It's not David Bowie from 86. Yeah. It's David Bowie from, you know, over the course of his career yeah. as a performance. Yeah. That'd be unbelievable. It would be unbelievable. And if anyone out there is listening who's got the rights to David Bowie's hologram performances, that would be a really good yeah. idea. All right. Second question. What is one thing you wish presenters did more of, or I suppose less of on stage? Just to be their authentic selves. What I try and tell people as I'm talking to them is that, look, you're up here because you have some sort of subject matter expertise, right? So you know what you're talking about and then just deliver it and deliver it in the sort of way that you would if you were just stood with me in a bar and you were telling me about this new product you were launching. I think sometimes people get, you know, too sort of hung up in trying to be something they're not. And I think we'd all agree that the best speakers that we've ever seen are, sure, they're well rehearsed, they're well prepared, but the crowd can smell if somebody isn't being authentic. I think your advice is right on because you start to think, why is that so hard for people? Why is it hard to be who you actually just naturally are? But when you're in front of 3,000 people, it is really hard. But if you just think about talking to one person and not talking to 3,000 people, it makes such a difference. Okay, final question. What is something, could be a book, a movie, a song, that was a big influence on you? Bittersweet Symphony by The Verve is a massive part of my history. My wife, Sharon, walked down the aisle to it. And I'm also just fascinated with the whole story of that. It's a riff from a Rolling Stones song. And then the Rolling Stones actually sued the Verve and and took the rights back. But then they've recently given the rights back to the Verve. I was going to ask if that would be your walk-on song, but I guess it's really your wife's walk-on song. She literally (laughs) walked down the aisle to it. And that comes back actually to that idea of authentic self. Always asking presenters, they have a piece of music that they want to walk on to. It's so interesting how that simple choice can relax someone, get them in the right frame of mind, and how each piece is different. You know, you hear somebody pick something that you would never pick, and the thing you would pick, (laughs) they would never pick. It's so personal, and yet it makes such a big difference. Yeah, and I think, you know, to your point, it gives them something else to think about. They're not obsessing about going on stage. They're thinking about that. Well, this has been great. Thank you so much, Mark. I'm really glad that we got to talk to you about this and uh, you've been very generous with your time. Appreciate you coming and talking to us about the past future and future future of live events. Absolutely. My pleasure. And thanks for having me. That was so great getting to talk with Mark Sheeran. For me, there were four top takeaways and these are the four tops. Number four, People live on their phones, so those devices should become a part of your messaging strategy. Number three, attendees are used to technology that understands and predicts their behavior, and event technology needs to do the same thing. Number two, make your event as convenient, customized, and curated as possible. And the number one top takeaway, presenters are more authentic when they just seem to be talking to one person. Even something like personalized walk-on music can help make them feel more comfortable. Look, I could talk about this stuff all day. 
And if you want to talk to us about today's topic or anything about live events, check out our episode notes for more info or just go to presidium.com and drop us a line. Send us a guest suggestion or tell us why you'd make a good guest. We'd love to hear from you. Because at Presenium, we help presenters do their best in front of their most important audiences. As we like to say, we help brands perform. And I'm a sneaking suspicion we can help your brand perform. If you like the Procast, you can sign up for it at proscenium.com or get it anywhere you get your other podcasts. Now, today's show was hosted by me, Jeremy Dobrish. It was produced by Bethany Potter. Original music by maestro Mike Mancini and filled with creative geniusness by Henry Evans. And hey, you know how at the end of podcasts, they ask you to go to Apple Podcasts and leave a good rating? Well, of course, we'd love you to do that so more people hear about the show and so we can hear your thoughts. But hey, if you learned a few tips and you want to keep this one just between us, that's cool too. So until next time, stand by to fade the Procast out and Procast out, let's go.